Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Forum Club. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. And it has been a minute since our last episode, but today is the start of NBA free agency. The Lakers will be looking to use their taxpayer mid-level exception of $5.9 million and a bunch of veteran minimum contracts, as well as attempting to re-sign some, if not most, of their incumbent free agents. But let's not bury the lead here. The lead of this podcast is the trade for Russell Westbrook, which happened last week, last Thursday night, draft night, and really came out of nowhere. There had been some reporting and, and, and some rumors on it in the previous weeks. And you know, even a few days beforehand, there was some smoke with that. But it was really looking like the Lakers were going to execute a trade for Buddy Heald uh, from Sacramento and send Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell there. Trez had just opted in a few hours earlier, and all signs were pointing towards the Lakers acquiring an elite three-point shooter in Buddy Heald, someone that I think would have fit really well next to LeBron and AD, the, the type of guy you want around them. You want elite shooting. And then out of left field, the Lakers pivot and you know, blow up that trade and end up sending... Kuz and Trez, as well as KCP and a their 2021 first round pick to Washington for Russ and a 2024 and 2028 second round pick from Washington. And this trade, I've now had a few days to process the trade and, and my thoughts on just everything. Uh, I will say before I dig into the Westbrook side of it, I think that the right move would have been the Buddy Heald deal, personally. I just think that for what you want around LeBron and AD, like, yes, Russ is a better player than Buddy Heald, and I think he raises the Lakers' floor. And who knows, maybe he raises their ceiling as well. I just think that Buddy Heald makes a lot of sense around LeBron and AD and is a level of, you know, he's, he's a shooter that the Lakers have not had during this LeBron and AD era. You know, KCP has been the best shooter over the past two seasons for the Lakers, and he's a good shooter. He's a solid shooter, but he is not Buddy Heald level. Buddy Heald is, you know, if Steph and Clay are 1A, Buddy Heald is 1B, or on that second tier. He is right there behind those guys statistically and in terms of volume. And I, I think just that fit, also being able to keep KCP, also being able to keep your first round pick and then potentially re-signing Dennis so you would have that extra flexibility of, of just more depth, more shooting overall. Uh, I think you, the Lakers could have gone back to a similar lineup to their 2019-2020 championship season of 
potentially starting Buddy and KCP in the backcourt, along with LeBron, AD, and then either Mark or another center. So, and you know, this isn't meant. This isn't the Buddy Healed podcast. This isn't the the trade that didn't happen. But I just want to get my thoughts out there on that first, because that to me was the safer path. And and that's something that I think is interesting with the Russ deal is that the Lakers did not go the safe route. They did not take the safe path. They took the the high risk, high stakes path. And there's potentially a high reward at the end of it. I think this is something that could certainly work, but I think the margin for error is higher than had they trade for Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is essentially a three-point specialist who can secondary play make a bit, can put the ball on the floor a bit, uh, you know, get to the rim, but you you know what he's doing. He's going to be running around screens, spotting up, and and just filling that role that the Lakers kind of need around LeBron and AD. Russ is a completely different player, and and you know, let's let's transition into the Russ part of this. I am 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 not the biggest Russ fan. I, I will preface this by by saying that um, I do see why the Lakers did it. They were looking for a high level playmaker and point guard. Russ certainly fits that bill even if he is a, a polarizing figure on and off the floor uh, and a polarizing decision maker, frankly, I, I think even more so like where, yes, he will give you the 30 point triple double, but he will also give you six turnovers and shoot 35% uh, as he gets his 30 points and 65% at the free throw line. So I think with, with Russ, you know, let, let, let's start with some pros and then let's, let's go into some cons and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. But as far as pros, I, I think, Three pros that stand out to me are, are one, that high-level playmaker and point guard. It worked for the Lakers in, in their first LeBron AD season with Rajon Rondo. They didn't really have that guy last year. It was kind of supposed to be Dennis, but he always trended more towards shooting than passing. And that is kind of how Russ is too, but he will get you the 8-10 to 10 assists. He let, he's led the NBA in uh, points off of assists. In three of the last four uh, points generated off of assists, rather, in three of the last four seasons. So, for all the talk about him stat padding and, and some home cooking with, with some of the numbers with, with, with his respective teams, like Russ is a really good playmaker and passer, and he, he deserves that credit. And I, I don't think that's a fluke. I, I don't think that's something he should be knocked on. He gets to the rim, he gets downhill, he's really good at dump off passes, he can throw the lob, he can kick out to shooters. He's really good in transition. You know, he could find slashers, kick out passes the shooters in transition. So Russ has got pretty much the, the full playmaking package. He's not LeBron James. He's not Chris Paul. He's not James Harden. But he's right there on that next tier uh, with, with, you know, like a Trey Young or, or something like that. So I think Russ is an elite playmaker. And from that perspective, he's going to help the Lakers roster. I think a, a secondary benefit is... The non-LeBron minutes, which have been awful, right? Awful for the past two seasons, both in the regular season and playoffs. The one exception was the 2020 playoffs in the bubble. Uh, the Lakers actually had a, a you know, were a net positive in the, the non-LeBron lineups, but that seems to be an exception looking at the two regular seasons and the 2021 postseason where they really struggled anytime LeBron was off the floor. I think now you have a nice foundation of Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis uh, led non-LeBron lineups, and you, you can go a bit smaller. I think that is where we'll see AD play the five more. Uh, you know, I, I know I, I reported that 
I was told by uh, you know a couple people that Anthony Davis is embracing playing the five more next season. And now, to what extent, we don't know yet. Uh, I do not expect him to start at the five. I would be surprised by that. I'm not ruling it out, but I would be surprised by that. Uh, but I, I envision it more as like kind of w- with the Lakers shifts that they have with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, we know that you know LeBron's going to pretty much play. Um, I mean, sorry, AD is going to pretty much play that whole first quarter. LeBron's going to come out midway through the first, come back at the end of the first, and then start the second, uh, and then take his break again, a small one, and AD's going to come back in, and you, you know how the the you know the the format goes. So I think in those stretches at the end of the first quarter and like mid second quarter, that is where you can see some Russ AD small ball with AD at the five, Russ at point. And then three shooters around them, uh, and just getting out in transition, wreaking havoc defensively, and and that is where I, I really see, like the, the there's I just don't see how the non-LeBron like just putting Russ and eighty together in the non-LeBron minutes they should be better. I, I would be shocked if they're not better. Um, and, and again, it depends on how the Lakers felt the roster here, but th- that's a, a secondary benefit. And then I think the third benefit is I, I just mentioned transition like. Russ, LeBron, and AD is as scary of a transition trio as there is in the league. And really, like the only guy you could maybe make a case that's you know on that level is Giannis. But the Lakers have three guys that LeBron and, and Russ are as good at, at pushing the ball in transition as anybody. AD's as good of a finisher in transition as anybody. And that is just a frightening trio. And I said this in my, my Russ story after the trade, but that, that might be the most athletic superstar trio we've ever had in NBA history. Like it's hard to think of like, that's more athletic than golden state. That's more athletic than Miami because AD is much more athletic than Chris Bosh. Uh, you know, LeBron isn't his, his peak Miami self and, and Russ isn't his peak Miami self either. So, or a peak OKC self, but you, you know where I'm going. Like if we're just looking at overall their careers, like this is the, the most athletic superstar trio I think we've ever seen. And they can do special things in transition. And I also think Russ, I mean, Russ is going to help them in a similar way from, from what they were looking from uh, looking at from Dennis. Russ can do a lot of those similar things, right? Like he can go downhill at will. He, he's arguably the best penetrating point guard in the league. He can get to the rim. And I think spacing is going to certainly be an issue with, with these three. Uh, but Russ is going to help the Lakers, you know, points in the paint, free throws, uh, kick out passes the shooters, like all these things that that he brings to the table. And then a, a fourth thing, I think this group was a little stale last year. And, you know, I, I think part of it was coming off a, a championship season and that it, there's just a, a, you know, a natural decline that comes from you won last year, you're not as hungry, you, you don't have the same energy, you know it's all about the playoffs, so you're focused on let's rest up, it was a short off season. Let's just get to the postseason, and we'll, we'll take our chances there. And there kind of was that attitude from the Lakers last season. And I think on one level, it was deserved, right? Because they were the defending champs, and it was the shortest off season in NBA history. But I do think that that malaise led to some of the performances we saw, like the you know the, that stretch where they went to like three overtimes with uh, you know OKC and uh, Memphis, you know Memphis and Detroit, and like it was just this weird stretch where they weren't playing. Lakers basketball and we saw that you know multiple times throughout the season so I think Russ with his competitiveness and with his drive he's a guy who will you know just inject some life into this group 
and it's going to be a new group. It's going to be potentially a brand new group, depending on how much, you know, how many guys roll over from last season, and you know, are they able to re-sign Alex Caruso and, and Wes and Talon and, and different guys. But assuming that they're able to keep some of those guys, it's still going to be you know, half of a new group. And I think Russ keeping the team hungry and focused is one benefit of adding him. Now let's get into the cons. There are a lot. Uh, number one is is. Russ is arguably the worst high-volume three-point shooter in NBA history. Uh, among players that have attempted 2,000 or more three-pointers, the only player with a worse three-point percentage is Charles Barkley at 26.5%. Russ is right there at 30.5%. So it's not it's not just that Russ can't shoot. You know, I think there there are players that are, there are perimeter players that can be you know be productive, help a team, be part of good lineups offensively. Uh, without being able to shoot. And Russ is obviously a good player. I'm not saying he's not, but the issue with Russ isn't that isn't just that he can't shoot. It's that he can't shoot and he still shoots, you know? So there there are role play again, there are role player, there are wing role players who can't shoot and they will not take, you know, they'll pass up the corner three, they'll pass up the swing pat, right? Like they're not taking that shot or they will take that shot once or twice a game. Russ will take that shot five, six, seven, eight times a game. And that is the issue. It's not just that he can't shoot. I think if he if he was a low-volume three-point shooter, you could work with that and figure out different ways to use him. The issue is if Russ is open from 25 feet because a defender is 10 feet off of him, he's going to take a dribble forward and pull up from three and hit the side of the backboard. And you know, going through film on Synergy, I just saw so many possessions in which you know, not only was he taking like those, you know, spot up threes like that, but as the point guard, you know, dribbling the ball up the floor, he would walk into threes with 20, 19, 18 seconds left on the shot clock that teams wanted him to take because they were playing off of him. And he would take those shots and would miss. And it's just, you know, yes, Russ will have the game every now and then where he gets hot, he'll hit three or four threes. Uh, and, you know, it, it looks good and he has the big night, but more often than not, Teams are playing five to ten feet off of him. They're not rotating out to him. Even the Lakers, which I, I find ironic uh, in their 2020 postseason series, like go back and watch the film on that. The Lakers were ignoring Russ off the ball. They were putting Anthony Davis or Kyle Kuzma, whoever was the biggest player on the floor at the time, to, to match Houston's small ball lineup. The center defensively, essentially, was defending Russ, and that player's job was help. It was, you're the help defender, ignore Russ. If he wants to shoot a 20-footer, if he wants to shoot a 24-footer, if he wants to shoot a 16-footer, let him take it. We just don't want him to get to the rim, so stop him from getting to the rim. But also, your job is to help on everybody else. And I think for the, you know, for the Lakers to kind of experience that and, and successfully defend him in a, post, you know, in, a, in a playoff series and then now go into adding that guy, it's going to be tough. And I think the second con uh, is that Russ is a guy we've seen it in OKC, we've seen it in Houston, and we've seen it in Washington. He forces you to adjust to him and not the other way around. Uh, again, Houston had to, and it, you know, Russ got injured, and uh, I know they were, they were looking to kind of move Capella anyway, but they essentially went, you know, let's make Russ our center. Let's trade away Clint Capella. Let's go with this super small uh, five-out lineup, and Russ is going to be the center offensively, screening, flashing into the middle of the floor against zones and, and, and kind of cutting a lot and we're going to make him the, the center because he can't shoot so he's going to be the one guy operating inside the arc and it worked 
to an extent in the regular season, but it clearly had its postseason limitations uh, when the Lakers smacked them in that second round. And I think, again, Russell isn't fully healthy, so you can make that caveat, but we've really seen like teams have to make dramatic adjustments to fit Russ in and not the other way around. Russ has you know, n- never added the shooting into his game. He's rarely added off-ball movement or, or cutting. He did it a bit in, the, in that Lakers series, but overall, if you look at his you know, play type breakdown, he's just not an active guy off the ball. So he's just someone that he either has the ball in his hands and is running pick and roll or, or isolating or coming off a screen into something and, and looking to score or pass to a teammate, or he's doing nothing off the ball. And the issue with him doing nothing off the ball is that nobody's guarding him off the ball. So I think the Lakers have their work cut out with it, uh, you know, with him and just, you know, like the Lakers number one and number two options offensively should always be LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That should not change with Russell Westbrook on this team now. So I think it needs to be the, the offense runs through LeBron, the ball goes through LeBron, and then number two, it's 80 pick and rolls, 80 post-ups, 80 isos. And then number three, it's where do we fit Russ in? The issue is that that's never been the case in Russ's career. The only time he's been third on his team in field goal attempts was his rookie season. Otherwise, he's been top two. So if Russ makes a, a change, this is the first time it's ever happened in his career. You know, and, and yes, he's reduced his usage a little bit. His Washington season was his third lowest usage uh, rate of his career. Uh, behind his his first two seasons so perhaps Russ really is willing to take a step back offensively but if we flash forward seven months from now and we are looking at the Lakers end of season totals and end of season regular totals and Russell Westbrook is not third on the team in field goal attempts that to me is a failure on the Lakers offense because Russ is the third best player and he's the third best offensive player on this team LeBron and AD are both are better on both sides of the ball and better overall than Russ, in my opinion. And I think the the numbers back that up. I think the film backs that up. Like, there's really no credible argument to say Russ. I mean, clearly Russ is not better than LeBron, but Russ is not better than AD either. And I would much rather have an AD face up post up jumper than Russ taking a 16 footer or a contested three, or frankly, even sometimes driving into five people and just throwing it up because he's a bad free throw shooter. So if he gets fouled. He's probably not going to make the free throws either. So I think Russ can fit in as a third option, but this will be the first time in his career he's ever done that and since he's become, at least since he's become a star. So count me skeptical to, to see something that he's never done 13 years into his career. Uh, and then the last thing, again, you know, to bring it back to the buddy deal, I just like the buddy deal better. I think he's a better fit around LeBron and AD. I think he, he takes less off the table. No, he's not a great defender, but neither is Russ. Russ gambles a lot, freelances, kind of does whatever he wants defensively. And I really liked keeping KCP. I think KCP has been looking at the last two seasons, overall the third best Laker over this run. And losing him, uh, you know, yes, you're getting a, a giant upgrade to Russ as the third best player, uh, Laker, but he takes a lot off the table and it's just not a great fit, in my opinion. Uh, so, I just, I would have preferred to, like, I was fine with letting Dennis walk. So uh, you can make the case keeping Dennis would have been, would have been nice. But even if the Lakers just kept KCP and that first round pick, you know, either flip that or or made the pick. I wrote about the draft recently that they have a great uh, recent, uh, you know, draft history going back to 2013. Lakers have knocked it out the park in the first and second round. So I, I think, 
you know, keeping the pick, keeping KCP, and then you know, resigning Alex, resigning West, resigning Taylor, like bringing back baby, basically bringing back most of last year's group, adding Buddy Heel to it, and then getting another center. Like that to me is going in the right direction. Of you know, I don't think last year's group necessarily needed as many tweaks as some did. I just think they needed an upgrade on the Trez Drummond spot, which I think they could find, and then you know another shooter or two, and they're fine. And and that to me would have been enough. But the Lakers swung big as they always do. This is the Lakers we're talking about. And and look, I might be a little skeptical. I'm not going to lie, but I think Rob Polinka deserves the benefit of the doubt. He did build a championship roster. He he built last year, I think, a roster that would have contended for a championship had it been healthy. I think the Lakers would have defeated the Suns in the first round and, and most likely made a, a conference uh, conference finals at a minimum, but but most likely final. I mean, if you're going in an alternate universe, you don't know, is Kawhi healthy? Is Kawhi not healthy? Uh, if Kawhi's not healthy, I mean, they're making the finals and I, I think they, they have a really good chance to beat the Bucks. But, uh, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. But th- this is going to be really interesting. Uh, so free agency starts in a few hours. Uh, might have even started by the time you're listening to this. Uh, but I, I'm really fascinated to see what the Lakers do with the rest of the roster. And I, I think while in a vacuum, we can look at this and, and say it's not the perfect fit. If the Lakers can find the right level of shooting and defense around their big three now, I like this move a lot more. And if they can get a good three and D guy for the taxpayer mid-level and then get some good three and D guys and another center on vet minimum contracts and keep Alex, keep Wes, keep Talon, I like this move more. You know, it's hard to not view the Lakers as the favorites in the West. Again, aesthetically, I'm not a big Westbrook guy. I respect the competitiveness. I respect the fire, but the turnovers, the shot selection, the lack of spacing, and to me, the lack of defense really give me some pause on this move, but I'm willing to be wrong. You know, give the Lakers the benefit of the doubt until they build out the roster. And if they build out the roster and it just doesn't make sense and they add a couple centers and they add some non-shooters and it just is like this mismatch of, of weird pieces then I won't like to trade. But it's hard to view this trade in a vacuum without seeing how the roster is built because the Lakers have five guys on the roster right now. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to see how they build this out. But as of now, I'm not the biggest fan of this move. But thank you guys so much. We'll be back later in the week with Bill Orm and Anthony Slater to discuss the Lakers moves, how the roster is shaping up. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N. B-U-H-A. And if you've not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Athletic app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. I'll be back later in the week.